0: You're
1: invited to I Am The Key One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe.
0: Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hello, I am Chelsea, and I am the cute one.
1: And I am Donnie, and I am the cute one.
0: And we are here today to cover the day after tomorrow with a returning guest. I'm really hopeful that he read his email this time. We have my brother Dylan with us today. Hello. <laughs>
2: Thank you for having me. Of course. I didn't know if I'd be invited back after <laughs> my last go round. No, it was surprisingly
1: great.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> a glowing review. So a couple of things right off the top. I do sound like Countess Luann, and that is because week one of Chalchella is going great. We went and saw a dead and company show, or as I like to call it, John Mayer, catfishing old people. And then we had a family wedding, and so I am just doing real good, as you can hear by my gravelly voice you sent
1: me pictures from the first part not the wedding the first part and you said I would hate it there and I think you're correct
0: <laughs> it was so fun <laughs> what's it called so it's the grateful dead like the remaining members but now John Mayer is just catfishing everybody and like I feel like each performance they just give him a little bit more to sing oh. and play and it's just John Mayer it's just a John Mayer concert that's socially acceptable to like old hippies
1: oh well then maybe I would have liked to. Is it a festival or just that band?
0: Just that it's band. Just the band,
1: but they play for like
2: four hours.
1: Oh, wow. Like the Taylor Swift concert.
2: Yeah, I don't know what the <laughs> I Am The Cute One Dead and Company Venn diagram looks like, but there's probably <laughs> some people that are mad about
0: what you just said, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not besmirching the Grateful Dead, but if you go to a Dead and Co. show, you will be watching John Mayer for 90% of the experience.
1: Really John Mayer? Or like a John Mayer type?
0: No, like actually john mayer oh wow i think he's doing the long con he like purposely looks like shit and i think it's like his last ditch effort to get all of the old boomer hippies on his side before he in two years releases like a jam band album and just rebrands
1: like when adam lambert joined queen
0: Mm -hmm. you're not
1: familiar good for you
0: well the venn diagram of my interests (laughs) of adam lambert and queen is no you don't like
1: queen during pride wow 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 continue
0: (laughs) so anywho that was number one on my docket of disclaimers number two at the end of last episode I did say that we were going to be covering deep impact but then I reflected on my choices and I know that you are new to the disaster movie game Donnie and I felt like starting out with deep impact would be like just throwing you into the deep end with sharks like we need to wade into the water we need to get our toes wet we need to experience some you know frozen air you can run from so we did switch it to just a classic disaster film the day after tomorrow and
1: it's our twin tuition yet again because you messaged me and said you want to change it up to ease me in but i looked at the casts on imdb and said i'm absolutely the fuck not watching deep impact this week so before I even had to mouth it in the atmosphere, you saved well, me.
0: Well, joke's on you, because you still will be watching Deep Impact this month. I said this week. Yes, this, this week, week you were saved. <laughs> so this movie premiered May twenty eighth two 2004. It was a Friday. Burn by Usher was the number one song in the United States. And Fuck You Right Back by Frankie was oh. at the top of the charts in the UK.
1: Both would be great on this soundtrack. <laughs>
0: This movie was the number one movie in the box office along with Shrek 2 and Raising Helen. And I
1: don't think we said what this movie was. I think we just said it wasn't Deep Impact. So if you would like to let the cuties know.
0: I said it, but I'll say it again. The day after tomorrow. (laughs) I can't even get mad because I have been known to be like 15 minutes into a recap (laughs) before I announce the title. So... Let's just jump right in. I don't know what it is about disaster movies, but Dylan and I don't really have, we don't have like a lot of shared movie and TV interests, but you get us a disaster film and we are both sitting in those seats opening night. Yeah, I love them.
1: Interesting. I'll be the one getting popcorn.
2: I don't like true crime but I feel like I feel the way about disaster movies that a lot of people feel about true crime where it just like plays on your anxieties and I'm also kind of a nihilist so it <laughs> checks those two boxes but they're just absurd and fun and like the perfect rainy Sunday movie yeah.
1: I agree but I disagree like these movies put me through hell when I watch these movies my anxiety is triggered also but not in a fun way I couldn't sit still watching this. What do you think, Chels?
0: Well, for me, I agree. Whatever people get from true crime, like our mom has fallen asleep to the ID channel since we were children. Like if my Mm. dad ever dies mysteriously, I know who did it. That bitch has been studying her craft. Like, There's something for people that are into true crime where it's like your worst fear playing out, but somehow it's like really relaxing to you in a weirdly Mm. cathartic way. And that's how I feel about this. Yeah, our mom actually
2: is like the true crime OG. Oh, yeah. She's been watching it for 40 years. Mm.
0: She should take out stock. (laughs) What are your favorite disaster movies, Dylan? Like off the top of your head.
2: So my actual favorite one is Melancholia. But I think like in the same vein as The Day After Tomorrow, a sneaky good disaster movie is Greenland with disaster movie (laughs) God, Gerard Butler. It's yet another movie about a comet. That is rapidly approaching Earth.
0: I do love Deep Impact, which Donnie will be watching later this month. It came out the same time as Armageddon, so I feel like it got overshadowed. And this is a hot take. I like it better. It really tries to do some things in just very absurd ways. Donnie is going to absolutely hate it. I cannot wait to talk about it. And then most recently, I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due, Moonfall. Talk about a movie that really takes you places. Literally to the moon. (laughs)
2: Christ. So, Chelsea, I think there's probably needs to be a discussion about what is a disaster movie, but Donnie's favorite movie is a disaster movie, in my
0: opinion. Okay, no. Cloverfield is not a disaster movie. And this is is where we have major beef, arguments, disagreements. So, I am a disaster movie purist. You have different opinions. And not only do you have different opinions, you sent us an email earlier today, Dylan, with a bit of light reading. That was a DMCM, the Disaster Movie Categorization Matrix. And I told Donnie, as soon as I saw this, I said, I think he invented this. I think he created this. Did you make this?
1: I am a complete dork and I made it. Uh, I was mad when you were bringing this information to us. I'm (laughs) livid that you created this information for (laughs) us. However, I do want to dive into it. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so please tell us about this matrix that you've created. I will be posting it as some supplemental reading, but tell us about... What is a disaster movie to you?
2: So I think there are five types of disaster (laughs) movies. The first is what I'm calling the natural disaster movie, which Mm -hmm. there are two branches. There's the single disaster movie, which focuses on like one type of disaster. So think like Volcano, the great movie (laughs) with Tommy Lee Jones. And then there's also large scale mass extinction event caused by humans movie. One
0: would argue The Happening by fan favorite M. Night Shyamalan could (laughs) fall into this kind
2: category sure that
1: was the disaster well i
2: don't know that could be one of the other categories that i'm getting (coughs) to right now there's also the outbreak movie which is about the spread of the disease now an important thing to clarify here is it has to focus on the actual (laughs) outbreak and not looking forward in the future (laughs) where it's post-apocalyptic because post-apocalyptic movies are not disaster movies
0: Uh uh-huh uh-huh uh, there's then the
2: alien invasion movie which is about hostile and important note here intentional mm-hmm. invasion coming from otherworldly beings so think war of the worlds then there's the monster movie which i would group cloverfield in here <laughs> and then the last one is the historical movie which i actually don't know if this is a disaster movie but like something that's actually happened like titanic you're a purist but the disaster movie is broad and you can categorize it a number of ways well you
0: can make all the charts you want but you're wrong (laughs) no i think
1: you're just not capable of higher learning (laughs) you can't reach nirvana chelsea doesn't know how to read graphs
0: (laughs) (laughs) like what you're hearing head to patreon.com i am the cute one for more
1: there you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes.
0: That's patreon.com slash one. See you there! I was told by
1: a cutie today when I was talking about how much I hate disaster movies, they said they think I do, but just water disaster movies, because I'm a Pisces. So they said Titanic, <laughs> Poseidon, and then... It is a monster the way they're portrayed, but like all my shark movies, too. Mm. I just love water sports. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's... Wow. We're all learning a lot about ourselves this Chel Chel. Wow.
1: Yeah. I
2: right. listened to the first probably 15 minutes of the Cleverfield <laughs> episode and I learned a lot about you, Donnie. <laughs> Oh yeah, a
1: lot. Even more if you listen to last week's episode. Wait,
0: I don't know what I'm more surprised by. The fact that Donnie just admitted to liking sports or the fact that Dylan's listened to any number of minutes of this podcast. <laughs> I'm
1: really trying to redeem myself. Yeah, last time you were on you listened to zero. So fifteen is a big accomplishment.
0: <laughs> Congrats And also,
1: I didn't really mean it, but what are sports is when people pee on you, Chelsea? So if I admit it to anything, it's just the truth. Now let's keep it moving.
0: Okay. Well, a quick Patreon plug. If you wanted to watch me go dead inside, (laughs) patreon.com slash I am the cute one. Every week. (laughs) Every single week. There you can see the uncut, unedited, and unhinged versions of our shows in audio and video form, which, yes, means you will be able to see my brother's face. I am putting a price tag on it. So (laughs) patreon.com slash I'm the cute one. Go there. All right. So Donnie, do you have any background info or trivia for us today? I
1: do. It was directed by Roland Emmerich, who also directed, you'll see a theme here, Independence Day, Godzilla, 2012, White House Down, Moonfall. (gasps) And this was a surprising turn, but it is Pride Month, Stonewall, (laughs) which is just a movie about the Stonewall riot. So I guess... Great. It was written by Jeffrey Nakmanoff, who was the executive producer of Hostages on CBS. I never heard of it, but hopefully you did. <laughs> the budget was 125 million to make and it made 443 million worldwide in theaters, but then it made an additional 110 million in DVD sales. Yeah. Did you own it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we
0: definitely definitely (laughs) did. Did. (laughs) Disaster movies are intended to be enjoyed at home. Really? You want to experience a disaster movie from the comfort of your couch with, like, a slight hangover.
1: But you saw Moonfall in theaters, right?
0: Oh, opening weekend. (laughs) You see it first in theaters and then many, many times after.
1: The awards... Are not many, but we have a few. MTV Movie Awards gave it the best action sequence for the destruction on a Los Angeles scene.
0: So specific. Why are they always so (laughs) specific? Yeah, it's like, what movie
1: won the destruction on a York award? (laughs) (laughs) Why not this one? But I guess they wanted to end on a high note because this was the last year the MTV Movie Awards made that a category. (laughs) So, So Roger Ebert gave it Drum roll, please. Three out of four stars okay. and said it's ridiculous, yes, but sublimely ridiculous.
0: I, I hate when That's I agree cute. with old Bob.
1: <laughs> You're getting older. Happy birthday. Oh, no. A little bit of trivia. I don't know if you knew this. Why would you? But the South Park creators, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, got a copy of the script before like they even started filming. I don't know how. I don't know why, but they got one. So then they were going to Create the exact same movie word for word, but use puppets and release it on the same day and see which movie did better. But then their lawyers are like, absolutely not. You cannot do that.
0: (laughs) But then they just made Team America instead. I
1: also love that. I love that Also, there is a Kirsten Dunst cameo in this movie. She's standing behind Jake Gyllenhaal with her sweater pulled up over her nose. Weird.
0: Why? (laughs) Why?
1: (laughs) Was she dating Jake Gyllenhaal then? And maybe she was Mm -hmm. just there? Maybe. I don't know. That's the only acceptable answer.
0: But then why not just show your face?
1: (laughs) Right. I don't know how SAG works. Maybe she was just doing it for fun and then she'd have to be paid if her face showed. I don't know. Hmm. That's just me making up stuff. (laughs) Okay, so now it's the part where I'm going to give you three taglines. You have to say whether you're going to fuck, Mary or kill it. The first one is, now it's fiction. Tomorrow it's real.
0: Kill. That doesn't have to do with anything. You would kill
1: it.
2: You're a climate change denier.
0: What are you doing to it? Diddling it?
2: I'm killing it for sure. That doesn't make
1: any sense. <laughs> <The>
0: next <one. laughs>
1: This year, a sweater won't do.
0: Oh, no. <laughs>
1: no, I love that one. I'm going to fuck that all over this house. That is great, I think. I'll fuck it as well, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm worried, but I'm going to fuck that one. Good
1: choice. Good choice. So this one is... 10,000 years ago, one storm changed the face of our planet. On May 28th, it will happen again.
2: Really long, but I'm fine with going (laughs) to bed with that every night. I found an old, like, promotional... T-shirt for the release of this movie on on eBay. Are you wearing? And it? I was gonna buy it for this episode, but <laughs> it cost like ninety dollars, and I was like, "I'm oh, no. good yeah.
1: on that." It's not in the budget. We're not gonna let you send paperwork about that. <laughs> yeah, taxes. no
0: receipts, please. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we make Dylan break down the plot in one minute or less. I want to know what character, if any, do you identify as in this fine film?
2: Well, this movie was kind of devoid of all character development, so who's to say? But (laughs) I would probably say Jake Gyllenhaal because he was an anxious teenage boy, and at one point in my life, I was an anxious
1: teenage boy.
0: (laughs) Then you grew up to be an anxious man.
1: That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) I am Kirsten Dunst in the library with a sweater. Just <laughs> no, I'm not. I think I'm the mom. You know, she doesn't need to travel to save her son or anything. She just gets worried. And then at the end of the movie, when someone opens that door, she says, Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> That would be me. I don't want to do shit to save myself, but if I am saved, it will be the happiest moment of my life.
0: I think I am Emmy Rossum's (laughs) pus-filled wound. Oh,
1: God, Just
0: really make it a (laughs) stink. Either that or the CGI wolves.
1: They were wolves?
0: Yeah, they were wolves. What did you do? Why were were? they in
1: cages earlier? Because they're in the zoo. (laughs) I thought it was a dog pound.
0: With bears, (laughs) Donnie? How many dog pounds do you see, like, lions and tigers and bears? Oh, my. Who rescued who? No,
1: you know what, Chelsea? I think my undiagnosed, self diagnosed ADHD really flares up when I watch, I don't want to say movies you pick, but movies I've never seen before. Because I wasn't doing anything else but paying attention and working on the outline, and yet there, <laughs> there was a zoo I'm not familiar with. I mean, with.
0: I'm at least glad that you were in the canine family because I was okay. very worried when you said they're not wolves. <laughs> So, Dylan, the time has come. All right. I'm going to give you one minute on the clock. Give us the synopsis of this just masterpiece of a film.
2: This movie follows our hero, Jack Hall, played by everyone's favorite B-lister, Dennis Quaid. <laughs> uh, and he's a climatologist who works for, I think, a made-up government agency, And he warns world leaders about climate change and how it could cause this major climate shift. And people seem to like what he says, except for the vice president, because... This is like 2004 Bush-era administration. Meanwhile, a series of crazy weather events start to happen all over the world, all while his son travels to New York City for a scholastic competition. And the weather gets worse. New York's hit by a major tsunami. And oh no, this climate shift isn't happening in 100 years. It's happening over the span of one weekend. <laughs> Chaos ensues, which includes but is not limited to the wolves escaping from the zoo and terrorizing the group the puppy pounds the cute little puppies and then also chelsea mentioned this earlier but temperature so cold that you can freeze in three seconds but can somehow outrun Uh, it also included some good commentary on immigration and foreign policy which i thought was funny and then in the end jack gets to new york and saves everyone and everyone has to accept This human-driven disaster and this new normal in an ice age.
0: (laughs) Just a masterpiece, really. And yeah, the immigration policies, real on the nose. You know what?
1: That's what I like. Sometimes we need to hit you over the head with the book.
0: Well, clearly they should have hit you over the head with the wolves a little harder.
1: And that was even scarier because then I thought that this was adding another layer. I was like, oh my god, the animals are going crazy.
0: (laughs) Those dogs, they're acting like wolves. I
1: really thought... (laughs) A cat attack was going to come up soon. Well, I was
0: anything's <laughs> possible in your house with your cat. So I could understand why that was your yeah, train of it. thought. <laughs> so our movie opens somewhere super cold, which is never a good sign in a movie about global warming. So we meet our protagonist, Jack, and quickly learn that not only is he an expert paleoclimatologist, but also just a, like, hunky, in-shape dude who isn't afraid to do things like jump over a cracking ice bank or tell the world's governments that they need to shape up and stop polluting.
1: (laughs) I think he was a gymnast in his (laughs) former years. Also, his friends did not move fast enough for me because I would have been in that Wild Thornberrys van and backed (laughs) up quickly when... A crack went down the entire... Was that Antarctica? Sure. (laughs) You know what this
2: movie also had, which they don't do anymore? The like really stylish, dramatic intro with like the credits. Mm -hmm. They just don't do that anymore. No,
1: I haven't seen credits like that since Lizzie McGuire movie. And that (laughs) is not being funny. They really did (laughs) have credits like that. So
0: the Vice President of the United States says that the economy is just as fragile as the environment. But Jack basically tells him to shove his economy (laughs) up his butt. Because based on recent samples, the earth is headed towards another ice age. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. Now, Jack might be the leading expert on weather and global warming, but he doesn't know everything because being a dad is hard. (laughs) I love this trope that it's like an expert in the field, but can't remember to take his son to the airport. (laughs) Well, he's
1: busy. He had to choose between work and love. And guess what he chose? (laughs) It's like, has there ever
2: been a happy marriage? with the protagonist in a disaster movie. I don't think it's possible. (laughs) But you bet your ass that they're going to come back together and that marriage will be unstrained once we get to the end.
0: And usually, you know what this disaster movie was missing was a stepdad who doesn't have a good relationship with the child and sacrifices himself. It's always played by that one guy. Turns
2: out he's actually kind of a good
1: guy. Yeah. The relationship between the son and the father wasn't as strained as I assumed it would be.
0: Yeah. We got the commentary of like his favorite vacation was like doing nothing with his dad because he got to just spend time with him. But usually it's like, we haven't talked in years Yeah, daddy's coming to rescue me from the big storm. Mm -hmm. But he does almost forget to drive him to the airport (laughs) because his son, Sam, is going with Fiona Gallagher and their friend Brian (laughs) to New York City for a nerd convention. And honestly, it would probably have been better for them had they missed their flight because the (laughs) turbulence looked bad. Like, I know that Sam is an anxious flyer, but that looked bad pretty troubling it was like
1: final destination the
0: worst flight i've ever been on i sat in between like the middle seat of a fighting couple like i asked if they wanted to sit together and they were like no we're good were they
2: (laughs) verbally fighting the whole time or was it just silence
0: it was like i think it was just their relationship like i don't know if they were Mm. in a fight but their communication was just sniping at each other oh jesus
1: oh my god I don't know that I've ever had a bad flight, like not one worth talking about. I mean, I've been on a flight where
2: the AC didn't work and oh. it was really, really hot. That's probably the worst. We talk
0: about a disaster. That's
2: right. I
1: was on one without air and I got sick during it too. I think I was hung over. That was the only time I've got sick on a flight. Wow. Not great.
0: Yeah. I did ask our cuties for their <laughs> worst flight stories. Ooh. First one, we landed in a blizzard and I heard the pilot grunt and say things like, oh shit, during the landing. <laughs> Never a good thing. Where were they sad? Imagine it was on the intercom. <laughs> <laughs> After a bad breakup, I had to go to a cross-country wedding solo. I partied hard all weekend, met a cute guy on my flight home, kissed at the end. He drove me home 45 minutes out of his way. He walked me to the door. He wasn't creepy, and we never spoke again. Damn, I can't believe stuff like that
1: actually happens. I know. That's the worst
0: flight. I said craziest flight stories. Either.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought the prompt was worst flight story, so I was afraid this is going to end up being her uncle or something.
0: Oh, <laughs> I know.
1: My stomach was in my butt the whole time you we were telling the story. I was like, "How is this ending? How is then this?" Then we did a
0: twenty-three and me, and oopsie <laughs> daisy, the baby was born with a tail.
1: We can't get married in the south.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you can. You just have to say that you're not related. And I do think that I said worst. When I said the prompt, so you're not making that up in your head. Oh, okay. okay this okay. one comes from our very own Tom Hamlet of the Dumpster oh. Dive podcast. He got trapped in a bathroom because a man passed out and slammed his head into the door. He was unconscious, <laughs> blocking the door while they did mouth to mouth on him. He survived. Oh, my God. I have so many follow-up questions for you, Tom. Yeah. If you could
1: only ask Tom one question and then you disappeared into the air, what would it be? Mine would be how long was he in the bathroom?
0: Did you just take a shit? <laughs> that was oh,
1: gonna be mine.
0: Imagine he took a shit and then it was two hours. Oh, my
2: God. Also, just the other thing, imagine it like you can only hear. Right. So you don't really right. know what's happened. Oh,
0: <laughs> like, sir, sorry, you can't come out. Yeah, right. And, uh uh uh, uh, uh staying <laughs> alive, staying alive. <laughs> Oh, wow. Uh, two more. Okay. I sat next to a guy with a real baby kangaroo in his backpack. He was transporting for a zoo. <laughs> again, craziest, not worst, Because okay. that's amazing.
1: Oh, uh, not really. I just saw a video of a cat walking around <laughs> on an airplane loose. I would have lost my mind. It would be called Donald Airlines right now. Because I would never have been quiet again. <laughs> a cat walking around a flight is too much.
0: Did it escape?
1: That's what the lady's saying. Oh, the cat knows how to open the carrier on its own i think she had it in her lap and then it said to walk around i have one of my own i know what Mm. bitches they are
0: kangaroos are kind of wild creatures an adult kangaroo is just like a roided up gym bro have you ever seen one yes like the situation on jersey i don't think
1: this is a good situation that a baby kangaroo was in that backpack
0: last one a dude with no shoes or socks put his foot up between the wall and my seat I screamed. He pulled it back. That's where it'd be called Chelsea Airlines because I fucking hate feet, as we know from last episode. And if a stranger put their naked foot in my face, I would take a knife and chop it off. Luckily, no knives are getting through TSA. Then
1: it wouldn't be called Chelsea Airlines. (laughs) Then I think you would be called inmate number 7563.
2: I have a flight ethics question. Okay. Okay. Is it okay to recline your seat? Oh, good question.
1: I always in my head think it is worse than it actually is so like I go into a dreading and saying this person better not put it down but then when they do I don't even really notice it so because of that then that makes me think oh I can do it too
0: (laughs) so I think no I understand that we are given the option to recline but as somebody who flies Southwest Airlines and frequently forgets to check in 24 hours beforehand and often ends up with the C pass, I have sat right next to that CPR bathroom porta potty situation many a times without the CPR but just the very back row. Uh-huh. Usually the argument is like if everybody reclines then we all can do it. We yeah. all need to get on the same page. If you're in that last row, you don't have the option to recline. Hmm. So I think based on that, they need to take away the recline option.
2: I get so claustrophobic when people recline on me and I'm like, I will not start the domino effect because then Chelsea in the last row gets screwed (laughs) over.
0: Thank you. Thanks for thinking of the little guys. Glad we solved that one. So, In conclusion, I am the cute one has taken the stance. No reclining. (laughs) I get it. Like Dylan said, he has this cute little matrix, but I do remain a disaster movie purist. I believe there needs to be multiple disasters in multiple locations in order for a film to qualify. And The Day After Tomorrow checks all of these boxes because... Things escalate quickly. The pacing of this movie is wild. Jack's theories are basically immediately proven correct. And soon there's snow in New Delhi, killer hail in Japan, super tornadoes in LA, rapidly dropping ocean temperatures, and storm systems that can literally be seen from space. Cities are destroyed. The Hollywood sign is wiped out. And people are getting smushed on live television. Dogs
1: are going wild.
0: Those little pugs are biting people. That man getting smushed. Uh, That was violent. That
1: was crazy. So (laughs) when I gasp, if I'm normally scared or whatever, I say, (gasps) but then if it's really big, I exhale first. And that's what this movie made me do like this. (gasps) (laughs)
2: The one thing I will say about this part of the movie is like, they focus so much on the just absurd science find it and at some point I'm like all right this is just made up nonsense like at one point Dennis Quaid's like we've reached a critical desalination point
0: that would explain what's driving this extreme weather that's like my favorite disaster movie (laughs) tradition is that scene where they literally say a lot of words that like sound super sciency and they're like and this is going to explain the rest of the plot of the movie right (laughs) or
2: like that they Just pull an all-nighter and, like, solve the case and build a model that tells them everything. It's like, that's absurd.
0: I've been feeding the data into my paleoclimate (laughs) model to track the next event. like, can we get
1: your hardware? (laughs) (laughs) The film studio invited a group of scientists to a test screening to see, like, what their reactions were to it. And they all gave it an F on their little survey (laughs) thing.
0: Hard to believe. (laughs) Real quick question, though, for you. Which of the disasters, like, what do you think would be the worst way to die? Mm. The tornado scene for me, like, I have nightmares about tornadoes constantly, which when I Googled, it says that dreams about tornadoes are usually a signal of worry, anxiety, and stress that Mm. you're feeling overwhelmed or out of control, which, like...
1: Okay. Yeah. Drag
0: me Monique.
1: Do you dream of
0: tornadoes? Constantly. Oh. Well, I dream of
2: tidal waves, so the New York situation I think would be pretty horrible. Although you would probably just get like hit by a bus and get knocked out. Mm. But I don't know, that's haunting to me.
1: I know it doesn't make for a good podcast or we can't make it like a TikTok clip or anything, but if I am dying anyway other than Rose and Titanic, like in my sleep, and then my ghost gets to see someone I fucked in my early 20s, <laughs> I don't even want to talk about dying. I don't want to hypothesize about dying because okay. I truly am afraid of everything. And when you just said that you have nightmares about tornadoes, I don't have nightmares, I don't think. I really don't think I do. At all? No. Like, when I was a little kid, I did. But I think that because I'm so scared day to day, like Chucky Finster, I think that there's nothing in my subconscious about it. Like, I think my fears are with me in my daytime. Your
0: body's like, oh, let's
2: let him rest.
0: <laughs> Two things. You said Chucky Finster. Dylan and I both thought the lyrics to Mr. Big Stuff growing up was, who do you think you are? Mr. Finster. <laughs> 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 number two do you dream yeah so you have good dreams every night
1: no not every night i don't dream every well i know people dream every night but i don't remember my dreams all the time but the ones i remember are either like really off the wall or ones where i like special special dreams. dreams. no like get cast on glee and stuff <laughs> But it's not even like me being excited to be there. It's not like, I'm famous now. It's like truly a day in the life. Like I get cast on Glee and then I go and I'm like, oh, Leah Michelle's acting up again. She's just shit (laughs) in some girl's way. I literally
2: have every stereotypical anxiety dream. Like my teeth are falling out. I
1: have that one too. I literally
2: have the dream where I show up to school without clothes on.
1: People really have that dream? Yes,
2: they do. And I have it like monthly. Oh my God. The other one I always have is... The, I'm about to graduate and I realized that I didn't take one class.
0: Yeah, where it's like the end of the semester and you never showed up.
2: Yeah, exactly. I have
0: that one a lot and it's always a math class because of course it is. Even as adults, you have these dreams? Yeah, but the weird thing is
2: I'll like come to in my dream and be like, you're in your thirties. Oh, wow. You are not in college. And then I wake up. And it's very odd.
0: Fun little tradition. Yeah, I dream so much though, and I remember all of them. I would say, like every single night, like when I wake up in the morning, I probably remember like six or seven dreams, and like <laughs> six are probably good, and one is bad.
1: Oh my god! That's crazy. But the
0: teeth falling out. Oh god.
1: No wait. I say I don't have any nightmares but there are ones like that like little annoying stuff like I didn't lock the door or whatever but nothing that makes me wake up like (gasps) you know I
0: love that your dreams are just like logistics like you're showing up for work you're annoyed by like the script and you forgot to lock your door I is dreaming
2: about everyday tasks meanwhile
0: in real life you're like sucking off a plunger (laughs) and that's why I think what's that
1: movie with the dreams Inception yeah and that's why I do think Inception is real because I think that the life I live is the dream like my real dreams are boring
0: I would be (laughs) so pissed if it turned out I'm just a figment of your dream imagination no I
1: would just take a pill where I am only in my dreams
0: okay that's beautiful. Yeah.
1: Taking the blue pill. <laughs> exactly.
0: I don't know how we got here, but like Dylan said, science, 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 feeding data into a paleoclimate model. And it turns out the world is on the verge of a climate shift. A superstorm will take place for the next seven to 10 days. And when this storm is over, they'll be in a new age. And our tradition of covering movies with negligent parents continues because we have helicopters falling out of the sky. People are turning into literal popsicles. But Sam's mom is too busy being a doctor who works with sick kids. And despite the fact that he's quite literally the only person who knows just how bad this is going to get, Jack, just doesn't seem worried about his son who's just bopping around the Big Apple. It isn't until a tidal wave <laughs> takes out the Statue of Liberty and the rest of New York City, and his son finds a payphone to be like, hey, dad, still alive, that Jack's like, okay, I guess I'll go to the public library and help you guys out. What
1: do you want him to do, though, Chelsea? If he couldn't get a hold of him, you just head to New York, and then what? What if there's a corpse waiting for I
0: don't think there was enough dialogue of like, oh my God, my Mm. son's in New York City. He's just doing science and talking to vice presidents. Yeah,
1: the mom should
2: care more, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, she's in D.C. She's
1: close. The mom and father were, like, flirting a little bit until he called, and then she started crying. Like, she forgot she was supposed to feel that emotion. She
0: was like, let's fuck real quick. Oh, (laughs) shit, we have a son. I do want to talk about the popsicle scene really quick because I haven't seen anything quite like that since Arnold from the magic school bus took off his helmet to prove a point to his annoying cousin on Pluto. (laughs) Like, that was haunting.
1: I must have missed that episode. Does his head explode? Oh,
2: you've never seen that? Uh Uh-uh. I mean, I feel like this is how, like, 50% of kids learn that space is cold as fuck.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Because he
2: takes his helmet
1: off. I was
0: traumatized. Arnold's annoying-ass cousin comes. I'm nervous. She's taking, like things from each planet to, like, show her friends back at home so they'll believe her that she went on this adventure. And it's, like, weighing down the school bus. They can't make it back to Earth. So then she's trying to take this, like, giant space rock from Pluto. And Arnold was like, we got to get back. If we don't get back, this is what happens. And, like, he's such a drama queen that he takes off (laughs) his helmet and he turns into, like, an ice cube. And then it turns out he just has a really bad cold. But I remember watching that and being just shooketh from h to t as tyra would say i oh was my God. horrified that's
1: worse than are you afraid of the dark? Mm-hmm.
0: yeah Miss frizz <laughs> psychopath so as the scientists responsible for the weather data prepared to turn into human snow cones of their very own hmm. they drink scotch toast to england mankind and manchester united <laughs> meanwhile jack has one last meeting with the idiot politicians running our country he draws across the united states and lays it all out those south of the line should be evacuated those north of the line are fucked. Just
2: a freehand line <laughs> on a giant US map. I look forward to like seeing how they decide like what bordering towns of the line yeah. get evacuated. <laughs> like what a scientific genius.
0: Imagine you're like in the town that's like right where his hand <laughs> went over a bump on the whiteboard. You're like fuck. Yeah. God. But speaking of fucked, Europe's buried under 15 feet of snow. <laughs> Americans are illegally crossing the border into Mexico. The tidal wave in New York City has frozen over, and killer CGI baby puppy <laughs> golden retrievers are on the loose.
1: And it's no shock that climate change scares me, but I forgot I was afraid of wild animals until the dogs showed up, and then I was like, oh my god, I am afraid of. Literally everything. <laughs> and then it made me think did you see the video of the lions having sex on top of the safari car? No. It's like going around Twitter right now. I'm showing everyone I know, so I do apologize. I haven't showed it to you two yet.
0: Oh, apology accepted. <laughs>
1: There's a safari car, but like a cage kind. And then lions are having sex on top of it. And then the female lion starts squirting all and over. And if you the-
2: spend $5 for the Patreon, <laughs> Donnie is sharing a <laughs> screen right now, and we're all walking. <laughs>
1: yeah so then the people like back up against the cage so that it's not raining down on them and then the boy lion when he finishes since the people are on the side he tries to attack them it's really scary but also fascinating Nature is beautiful i think our
2: twitter explorer pages are a little different (laughs) i haven't gotten that one yet That's going to be the first thing I do when I hit leave on this Zoom call. So
0: it is at this point in the movie that Jack decides it is probably time to care about his underage son. (laughs) So this dad of the year straps on his cold weather gear and he and his ragtag team of employees Head in the opposite direction. He just advised everyone else to evacuate it. And
1: this is where, like, his wife should have been the same job he was, or like a godfather, perhaps, but just a friend. There is no reason I would help a friend save their kid in another state during this.
0: Noted.
2: It also <laughs> seems like he's like kind of a pain in the ass to work for. Yeah, Like the one guy's like, I've done like three years of service. It's like, I don't know. I'd be like going south. Yeah,
0: He sounds like a pretty toxic boss. Like this is a dude who's sending a 3 a.m. email and mm. is like pissed when he wakes up at 6 and it hasn't been answered yet.
1: For sure. That's me a little bit.
0: Well, <laughs> So while the police officer at the public library says fuck science and advises that everybody walks mm. in the snow to their death, cab. <laughs> Sam, Fiona Gallagher, Brian, an unhoused person, and some librarians raid the vending machines, burn books for warmth, and discuss their favorite vacations. And as it turns out, Fiona has a secret injury that is mega infected and gross, and she needs penicillin or else she'll die of blood poisoning. <laughs> it's time for a side quest. Sam and Brian break into a ship, find some penicillin and food, and fight <laughs> off the CGI beagles who have escaped from the zoo. Now,
1: this point is when I learned they were wolves. <laughs> it reminded me of Beauty and the Beast in the woods, so I was like, oh, I've seen this before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would not be one that put on a brave face, like, if I was hurt like that, everyone would know mm. I was injured. I'd be like, oh, I'll get some books. Ooh, ooh, my leg. Ooh, ouchie. <laughs> I get so mad at these type of movies when somebody hides an injury because it's like they don't want to be an inconvenience. But do you know what's an inconvenience? When that zombie bite starts to fester and you're trying to eat people. Like, exactly. that's an inconvenience. I In what
2: world would she have told that one random woman but not, like, her friends?
1: <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: God forbid I get a paper cut or a splinter. You're going to know about it.
1: And because if whatever, if water comes through that window or whatever, if it becomes the time to run and you don't tell us ahead of time that we know you're injured. We don't know to leave you behind, so we think you're keeping up, and then when you stumble, that makes me look back, and now suddenly we're both dead.
2: It went from cut to blood poisoning pretty quickly, too.
1: (laughs) We're moving very quickly It's
0: kind of just the MO of this whole movie. It's like, this could happen in 100 years or tomorrow. Oh, this tiny little cut, you're going to (laughs) die. Question, because- One of the librarians is like really pissed that they're burning books and is like basically hoarding all the things to like represent Western civilization if everyone were to die. If you only got to save one piece of art, literature, or music Mm. to represent (laughs) all of Western civilization, what would it be? Mine would be the video of Abby Lee Miller backing Uh, up and then scooting down the highway. I think that just really sums it all up. Mine would be the uh,
2: Tony 2012 video.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mine would be. Legally Blonde, the musical on MTV hosted by the cast of The Hills from 2007.
0: The aliens are really going to get a full range picture of us as a society. Okay, cuties, buckle up. If you've been following along this convoluted plot, Mm -hmm. it only gets weirder from here. So the eye of the storm sweeps over New York City, leading to a literal race to survival. Because as previously stated, apparently you can just... Outrun the super deadly cold front. This is
2: maybe the most ridiculous thing I've seen in a movie. Not only is the cold like travel, it also it's visible <laughs> like everything it touches just freezes. I mean, it is so absurd that they can run on like makeshift snowshoes and outrun this cold. And then when it goes from top to bottom, and like starts at the top of the Empire State <laughs> Building and makes its way down. I mean, just brilliant filmmaking, incredible idea. Exactly what enhances these
1: types it of That's when I had to take a lap around my house. Watching the Empire State Building freeze made me very nervous. Well, <laughs> it got a <clears throat> from me.
0: You just got to strap on those running shoes. <laughs> yeah. What do you think your mile time would have to be to outrun that cold mm. front?
2: A lot less than what mine is. I don't know. The one guy had been bitten by a wolf and he outran it. So I don't know if that's true. It's like
0: a nice power walk. Yeah. You see them running and then you just see like the prancer-sized woman in the background. Like, Doo, yeah. Doo. Yeah. And so this brilliant cinematic masterpiece comes to an end. It's the dawn of a new ice age, but Jack and Sam are reunited. Humans are humbled and Mother Earth reigns supreme. Yeah. Happy Chalchella. <laughs>
2: Dick Cheney is now the president, and uh, he's accepted climate change. Where
1: do we go from here, though? Like, they won't last long, though, right? Like, they'll die in a week. Yeah. We just end it on a happy note.
0: Yeah, I guess they won't have any food. Yeah. Well, they could eat those wolves. Oh, that's I mean, correct. the population of New York City is literally, like, six. No,
1: remember? All the people
0: <laughs> oh, went right. to
2: the, the rooftops. rooftops. Yeah. Mankind. There weren't many of them.
0: Yeah, well, not everybody can power walk oh, that, a 12-minute mile. <laughs> you right. Honey. So, final thoughts. If we were to bring this movie to present day, who would you cast in a reboot or what would the plot of a sequel be?
2: Well, this movie was made in 2000. <laughs> What was it for? Yeah. So it's about to be 20 years old. Here's the thing. No changes. We're doing a true sequel. We're bringing everyone back. Jake Gyllenhaal is married to Fiona Gallagher (laughs) and has followed in Dennis Quaid's footsteps and is a climatologist in the new Ice Age. And then... I don't know. I'm sure we can make up something absurd. Maybe there's like a crazy global like heat thing that comes through. And Dennis Quaid at this point surely struggling from Alzheimer's or something. But, you know, (laughs) he's still got one more gift he can give everyone to help crack the
1: case. I like it.
0: Can't wait to hear the science behind the heat wave. (laughs) I only
1: like to do a reboot if... I feel like there's a better story to tell with a 2023 lens. Mm-hmm. But I think that we've learned enough about global warming where we can make science in the movie make a little bit <laughs> more sense. <laughs> I mean, it can still be crazy, but I want to do that. And then also, I want to make it woke. So I want Kerry Washington as the scientist mom. And then I want Amanda Lichtenberg Rue from the Hunger Games as Jake Gyllenhaal because I want to flip the script and make it like that's why the president doesn't want to listen to a woman scientist and all of that. Mm. But also, I can still rely on like my CW tropes where the mom and daughter fight and they're like, oh, the last thing I said to her was, I wish you freeze. (laughs) Not that, but you know,
0: (laughs) the last thing I said to her was, I hope that the eye of the storm gets you. (laughs) Well, I think the thing about disaster movies is we are low-key living in one. Like, we are in the start of act two as we speak, but just, like, expected to still pay taxes and clock in to work, so that's fun. But I do think a sequel where we see post-disaster, like, I think that could be, like, an HBO show of them navigating this new reality of like what are we gonna eat and oh my god it's so cold and also there's billions of dead corpses below new york city yeah. what happens when it melts like i think that that really could be
1: like something. the end of wally
0: exactly <laughs> final final thoughts what for us about this movie aged well and what aged like blockbuster
2: i mean the science we've probably exhausted that topic but like the themes and stuff are all still pretty relevant so that's aged pretty well i mean there's like some odd workplace dynamics (laughs) especially towards women like there's the weird weatherman guy (laughs) a bit of stereotyping in there with like the unhoused person i would say but i don't know i mean all in all for a movie that was made 20
1: years ago like not too bad truly The CGI was a piss show, but besides that, I think the message aged too well.
0: Yeah, this is one of those movies that all of the themes, like the politicians prioritizing Mm -hmm. their own needs over mankind, not listening to the scientists, the Americans realizing that immigration and accepting refugees (laughs) is important. Like all of it was like so on the nose and hit so close to home that I was like, Oh, yikes. We haven't learned fucking anything. Yeah, it's kind of
2: depressing. Yeah.
1: Watching it for the first time in 2023 was tough.
0: (laughs) Happy birthday to me. It honestly feels like
2: if the visuals were a little better, like this movie could have been made like two years ago.
0: Yeah. I think it's a great movie. I think it's good. Like it has a good cast. It has a good message. It's just those little puppies that need to be <laughs> redone in post.
1: Him falling down the whole thing in the beginning also oh, needs to be done. Yeah. yeah, that <laughs> yeah. was
2: a bit absurd. <laughs> you missed the best part or the best scene, which is when the guy, when they're traversing over the mall and the guy falls <laughs> oh. through and he says the best one liner just dropped in to do a little bit of shopping. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All of those workplace dynamics and those two guys following Jack on his. <laughs> voyage that didn't age well that's definitely before the age of quiet quitting like this Mm. was not in their job description they're not getting paid time and a half like they need to talk to their union rep about that for sure
1: (laughs) and that's why i needed a flashback of them being boxcar children together or something because Mm. there was nothing that connected them in this kind of way yeah
0: Yeah, i guess we were supposed to see that like in the beginning they were like risking their lives for Mm. weather or whatever yeah but I need more yeah. than their connection to climopaleontologist <laughs> meteorite sound bites or whatever. Right. So, well, happy birthday to me. We're continuing Donnie's Torture oh because next week we are covering Garden State.
1: Yeah, you really did hit me with a one-two punch. I <laughs> feel like you introduced me to the month of Pretty Woman. Then we did this, which was still a really good movie. And then the next two weeks are going to be Hell on Earth chill on
2: Earth. Have you seen Garden State? I've
1: seen it once and don't remember anything about it and what I've learned from this podcast is when that experience happens to me, it means <laughs> I song. hated it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: if I love a movie, it means that Donnie is going to reject it with every fiber of his being.
1: Not always. If I haven't... Uh, no, that back's fine. This movie I love. Okay. Last week I liked a lot.
0: Okay, huh. well... You're not going to like the next two, so buckle up. Zach Braff.
1: (laughs) And who's the girl?
0: Oh, uh, the role model, (gasps) Natalie Portman.
1: Short hair or long? Long. Okay, I might
0: like it. We'll see. Yeah, I think you'll like this
2: movie. It's good.
0: Well, thank you, Dylan, for coming on. Yes, thank you. Joining us. Thank you for the matrix that we can share with the people.
2: I look forward to uh, hearing the discourse.
0: (laughs) Well, we will be back next week. We will talk to you later. Love Love you like like a sister. sister. Hi, yep. Hi, Chelsea. It's Hannah Brown. I just want to wish you the happiest of birthdays. It's honestly hard to be your friend when you somehow manage to look hot in, like, all the different wigs and Ramona glasses. Like, how dare you be that stunning? But you managed to pull it off. You're one of the funniest people I know. And my pop culture friend soulmate and sister um that's my vicki Gumbleson. it could have been better it's fine i love you dearly i hope you have an amazing amazing birthday a birthday every bit as amazing as you are um have a have a spice girls day all right love you bye hi
1: happy birthday i'm so glad i get to not really but kind of appreciate you during your special i was about to say special time of the month oh god that's that's not appropriate. You know what I mean? Happy birthday. I'm wishing you a thousand more. You have the the patience. Of an angel you deal with Donnie more than any of us have to <laughs> and I feel like God shines a special light on you because of that so happy happy birthday I'm so glad that you're one of the like first friends I made in this space y'all are amazing you're amazing beautiful family I, I'm glad I get to spend time with you every year it's just amazing happy birthday Mwah! Have the wildest birthday party,
2: many mono shots, and a backseat with Big Bird.
0: Thank you for listening to I Am the Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a
1: five-star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at realdonnywood on Instagram and TikTok.
0: And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at onochels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash iamthecuteone.
1: And go to iamthecuteone.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk Talk to to you you later. later. Love you like like a a sister. sister.
0: Seeking the truth never gets old.